Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Ryan Glover podcast with guests for the BlueWorldOrder.com website. I am of course Ryan Glover and the producer for this and every podcast is Jordan Taylor. You will hear his perspective throughout each podcast and with the final segment of the podcast, Final Thoughts with JT, where me and Jordan will break down what the guests say for that specific podcast. Today's guest is a man you hear on Grizzly Bear Blues Live on Blog Talk Radio, and you also read him in the SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues as he is the senior writer for them. The one and only Joe Mullinax joins us this morning. Joe, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good, man. So let's talk about these Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, a lot of stuff has happened this season. There's no question about that. And now that we're in the month of January where we knew there was no back-to-backs, which might actually hurt the Grizzlies since the Grizzlies have an unbelievable record on back-to-backs this season. <laughs> That's right. And now right. they're on this long six-game homestand where it started off pretty darn good with the Denver win. Obviously, that seven-point second quarter where Denver only scored seven points was looking like the old Memphis Grizzlies. And, then of course, the third quarter woes happened again. But the Grizzlies found a way to pull out a victory against a very pretty poor Denver Nuggets team. So let's start with that game first. Talk about that game. What did you see in that game? Obviously, that second quarter, like I mentioned, only giving up seven points with, uh, was fantastic defense. So we thought we saw a turn of the tables there with the Grizzlies with Tony Allen and Zach Randolph. Yeah, and it, it's good to see Tony Allen and Zach Randolph really kind of come together and, and show a, a, a glimpse of their previous selves. And it, it's becoming more and more trend than it is just kind of a fluke. And we talked about this on the podcast, GBB Live, last night uh, with – two folks from your guys' neck of the woods, uh, Anthony Sane and uh, Cam Rose, we talked about how Zach Randolph and Tony Allen turning back the clock a little bit certainly has given the Grizzlies life at this time where Mike Conley has been out with injury, Mark Gasol has not been himself, and if you ask me, that is the major reason that this team is struggling. Jeff Green is a convenient scapegoat, but you got to point your finger at the man on top. But when it's Tony Allen and Zach Randolph playing some of their best basketball of the season, and especially Tony Allen, who has done it for a longer period of time, almost ever since he came back from his knee injury. He's been playing really, really well. And Zach, of course, off the bench, has been providing good scoring pop. His defensive effort looks a little bit better. He looks a little bit more crisp in his movements. So those two guys really coming through and helping the Grizzlies, especially in those Denver and Boston wins, they're big big pieces of the puzzle, and they're going to continue to be. These are two guys that it's going to be really difficult to move. It's always been said by myself and others, it's going to be really hard to get equal value for those guys. They just mean so much more in Memphis than they do anywhere else, and especially in the case of Zach Randolph. If you look at his career arc and his numbers compared to other 34-, 35-year-old power forwards, he's in elite categories. Like We're talking Moses Malone. We're talking other guys who had similar statistics during that period of time in their career, and you're paying them less than $10 million. So it doesn't make a ton of sense to move those two at this point even if they regress to the mean, which is going to happen. Zach and Tony are not going to be able to keep up this pace because they shouldn't be expected to. That's not where they're at in this organization at this point. They are key role players on a good basketball team, and on a team that is mediocre or worse, they're your two best players, and that's what's happening to these Grizzlies right now. Whether it be Denver, who's a bad basketball team, Boston, who's a good team maybe a year ahead of where they think they should be in terms of their overhaul and rebuild, And then they lost to Houston, a team that they're competing with directly in the Western Conference and the Southwest Division. These are three teams that, in theory, especially at home, Memphis should beat. They had to really fight to get back into the Boston game, of course. And then the Houston game, which we'll talk about more here in a moment, they they completely laid an egg. And it comes down to you can't depend on Zach and Tony to be these guys for the rest of the season. It's not fair to them at this point. They're playing above their heads. 
if they regress a little bit and they're consistently very good to you know good players, that's what you can expect moving forward. And it's good to see these flashes back to 2012, 2013, but it's just not it's not what they're able to do at this point for a consistent basis, at least not in my eyes. Hey Joe, this is Jordan. So do you think? What up, Jordan? So do you think, um, even though Tony Allen and Zach Randolph have been playing better, do you think that'll cause Jaeger to switch up the lineup, maybe move Randolph into the lineup instead of Jeff Green? Well, the Jeff Green stuff, and I know we'll talk about this in a second, but that is probably going to force his hand. There was no bigger fan in them, Twitter, whatever you want to call folks like me that do what we do, of Jeff Green than me. And you can compare that to Jeff Green had no bigger fan in that organization than Dave Yeager, the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. And after the second quarter altercation and after the situations with Jeff not uh, supposedly, reportedly uh, giving effort on defense, you know, that's inexcusable. And that's something that's just not going to fly with these Grizzlies. And you can see more and more, and after I go back and watch some of these games as I record them, and it, the body language isn't there with Jeff. And these guys do not seem to be responding to playing well with Jeff. Now, that, to me, calls to something that I've always said about these Grizzlies, this core group, uh, a mental toughness. When the going gets tough, either they point a finger at somebody else, they don't rise to the occasion consistently enough within themselves. They don't look at the man in the glass, per se. But Jeff Green is not doing anything to help his cause, and he's not, especially defensively, it looks like at times he's just not there or he's not thinking or he doesn't care. Zach Randolph might be nowhere near the athlete that Jeff Green is, but at least you know he's going to give the effort. And that effort has been there more consistently lately in terms of effectiveness as well. Zach almost always tries defensively. There's, of course, times where he you know, shuts down a little bit. But at the same time, he always gives some sort of effort, especially offensively. But on defense even, it looked more like he just physically couldn't do it anymore. And that was one of the reasons for the benching in the first place. Now that he looks reinvigorated, he looks a little bit more inspired, maybe understanding that nothing is guaranteed to him, and maybe he wants to earn back that spot, he's moving better on the pick and rolls. He's getting back out to those shooters of the stretch fours a little bit more crisply and cleanly than he was before. And because of that, I think it is time for a move. And like I said, I, I'm a Jeff Green guy. I said on the podcast last night, I, I'm going to go down with the ship and probably going to drown, but that's okay. He's going to be traded or he's going to walk in the summer and it'll be the end of it. But when it comes to the roster itself and the starting lineup, you have to keep in mind, as a Grizzlies fan, it's a, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you do insert Zach in that lineup, you're going to have teams try to do what they did at the beginning of the year with Zach and attack him in the pick and roll. And if Zach can't defend that consistently, especially against elite players like a Russell Westbrook, uh, like a... Chris Paul of the Clippers, who are playing some of the best basketball in the NBA right now. I believe they're on a 10-game winning streak. If you do that against these elite guards and you're not able to get back on a DeAndre Jordan or a Blake Griffin, or if you're not able to get back on these other bigs that can move better than Zach can, it's going to kill you regardless. So it's, it's kind of a, a rough spot for Memphis to be in, and it kind of calls to the fact that something that Dave Yeager has said repeatedly, and if you like it or not, I, I think it's the truth. They just don't have the best personnel right now either way to compete on a consistent night-by-night basis. And it has changed rapidly from that playoff run of just, what, seven or eight or nine months ago now? But we live in a different world here. These Grizzlies are nine months older. They're nine months further along in their careers. And these other guys that are younger are coming up, coming into their own as NBA players, 
and the aura of the physicality of the Grizzlies perhaps doesn't carry the same weight as it once did. So inserting Zach in the starting lineup, sure, that could help, and I think Tony will probably stick around as well, but I don't think it's a long-term solution because the long-term solution probably isn't on the roster right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. If, I, if we're going to go on record about the lineups, we can get that in that in a little bit more, but I think the best starting five for the Grizzlies would probably be Conley, Allen, Lee, Barnes, and Gasol, and still have that Zach Randolph off the bench in that second unit, because he can dominate those backup big guys when you're playing against the lesser teams, like a perfect example is tonight in Detroit, when Aaron Baines or Joel Anthony will be the backup center to Andre Drummond. Perfect matchup for Zach Randolph. So we'll get into that in a little bit more. So Joe, obviously the Boston win was a tremendous comeback victory got down 21 points in that third quarter and then we've seen it all season long against golden state where you got down 20 then all of a sudden it came to 50 when it you know when against oklahoma city 20 and then it expanded to 30 and so off like that but that one game that sunday afternoon game against boston you finally saw some fight i know boston's not the oklahoma cities and the golden states but they're still a pretty darn good basketball team and when you've got isaiah thomas cooking who had 35 points it was pretty good to see the old Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, same thing again. It was just like Denver. It was just like Boston. Those two guys put the team on the back on the defensive side and then on the offensive side. So it was good to see those two guys again against a good quality Boston team. Well, it's so important for this Grizzlies basketball team, and this is where Tony Allen and his impact really is felt. When he's under control offensively, which he has done better recently, especially in the fast break, more often than not, you see Tony Allen break away on a fast break and you hold your breath, not for a good reason like maybe you would with a Kevin Durant or a Blake Griffin or some show-stopping dunk. You do it because you're terrified of what he's going to do. But recently, he's either pulled up after getting a steal, creating a turnover, or he's driven to the basket, done a nice job laying it in, or if he has the opportunity, maybe showing some fresh legs after his little break from his injury, he gets up and he jams the ball home. When you're effective after creating those turnovers, that is where Memphis really shines. And that has been a point of emphasis for them throughout this grit-and-grind era is creating turnovers, getting extra opportunities to try to counteract your offensive inefficiencies. You're not the best shooting team in the the league. You're one of the worst. And even with the additions of Matt Barnes and Mario Chalmers, you're still not a very good shooting team. So you're not going to effectively, at least not at this point with this roster, space the fourth floor excuse me through three-point shooting. You still need to take them to make teams honor them, but that's not how you're going to beat people. You're going to beat people by protecting the ball on one side of the court and by creating turnovers on the other so that you can get as many opportunities to score the basketball as possible. And that is where Tony Allen thrives, in that chaos, in creating those extra chances. And Memphis needs that in order to be successful. You saw that in the Boston game, and you see that in wins throughout their time in this era. They have to protect the ball, and they have to create extra opportunities for themselves because they're not going to make shots at the effective clip that a Golden State Warrior team is or an Oklahoma City Thunder or Cleveland Cavaliers. They just don't have that offensive personnel. They have to create those opportunities, and they did a good job of that in that Boston game and especially in that run when they were able to come back. So then to the Houston game, obviously the 107-91 loss to the Houston Rockets. James Harden was pretty sensational, 25 points, was hitting some heck of a shots in that third and fourth quarter against Tony Allen, who was still tremendous on the defensive side. But I think, Joe, I know we can we can t- discuss it a little bit, but I just think you ran out of gas a little bit. Obviously you had to put so much energy into that Boston game. I know it wasn't a back-to-back, and that shouldn't be an excuse, but the way you put so much effort into that Boston game, and then when you have to go against one of the arguably the top three scorers in the league in James Harden, and you know you just run out of gas, and it didn't help with the Jeff Green bench, and we'll get to that just in a second. But I just think the Grizzlies just basically ran out of gas. I don't know if you agree, but that's my personal opinion. 
I think that makes all the sense in the world when you look back on it. I mean, they were essentially playing seven guys. They benched Jeff Green, didn't bring him back in. They were running Vince Carter out there, 38 years old, probably playing more minutes than he needs to be at this point. They, they absolutely had the look of they were gassed. I mean, listen, Courtney Lee's coming back from an injury. You had Matt Barnes and Mike Conley sitting out. Obviously, Jordan Adams, Brandon Wright, Darrell Martin, they're still all out with injury. So you've got eight active guys to begin with, essentially, then, or eight or nine, and then you're looking at Vince Carter, you're looking at Mario Chalmers, and you're starting five. If you don't have Jeff Green playing, you insert Zebo for Jeff, and you, you've got what you got. And that's really difficult to do, especially when you are in a situation where you're playing a team like Houston who likes to run and gun a little bit, who likes to take shots early in the shot clock, who likes to get up the court as quickly as they can. Houston probably caught on to that as the, as the half went on. And that's a big part of coaching that often gets overlooked, is those in-game adjustments. And you have to give credit to Houston's coaching staff. He probably quickly realized, he and his coaches, uh, Bickerstaff, I believe is his name, and his coaches, they probably recognized that Memphis was down multiple guys. They, they were frustrated with Jeff Green. They can watch those exchanges between Jaeger and Jeff, just like we can on television or in person if you're at the game. So if you know they're down to seven guys and you know that they're an older team to begin with, you can run up and down the court a little bit more. You can get those creative opportunities. And they have a player in James Harden who offensively is as close to elite as you can be in the league and not be named Steph Curry. Uh, people like to hate on James Harden because of his ability to get to the free throw line, but the guy can score the basketball. And he does it, like I said, as well as anybody not named Steph Curry in the entire association. So that's a tough loss. Uh, I had them going 2-1 and one during those first three games of the homestand. I thought they'd lose to Boston and not to Houston, but 2-1 and one is 2-1, and one, and it's still not the end of the world. They still have a 2-1 series lead on Houston. The fourth and final game when those two teams meet will be huge in terms of playoff seeding and tiebreakers and things of that nature. You don't want to lose a game at home like that, but at the same time, especially given the circumstances that you just laid out, it's not the end of the world. So now to what happened after the game and basically what happened yesterday on the Ron Tillery and Jeff Calkins and Chris Harrington podcast where Tillery flat out came out and said somebody in that locker room said Jeff Green doesn't care. And you you mentioned it briefly. You can see it on the court. You're not blind. You can see you know the effort on the defensive side when Tony Allen's flying on the defensive side, when Courtney Lee's flying and people of that nature. You know, <clears throat> And it came to obviously the benching in that second half where he didn't play one single minute. And, of course, Jaeger's going to be the coach he is after the press conference and say, you know, it was not disciplinary. But I think we all know what it was. Like you mentioned, this has been Jaeger's guy for three straight years where he's, trying to, where he's tried to acquire Jeff Green for three years, and he obviously he did it last season. So there's a lot of trade rumors that are going to go around now, Joe, obviously, right? The big name that's probably out there that might be available will be Markeith Morris. And people have discussed Markeith Morris for Jeff Green straight up. And I think Markeith Morris needs to get out of Phoenix. There's no question about that. He was obviously ticked off with his brother getting traded to Detroit in the offseason. But he's also that in-between guy where sometimes he plays plays a stretch four in the Phoenix, or sometimes he plays a three like Marcus does tonight in Detroit when you see Detroit and Memphis play. So what does Markeith bring to the table? Would that be a good trade? Because when you look at him, he's a very good slashing guy. You know, obviously he's got to keep his head on. But somebody like Markeith Morris, what would that bring to the Memphis Grizzlies if that somehow, some way happened? Well, he brings a value contract. And as I continue to learn, I think I frustrate some of the others over at GrizzlyBearBlues.com sometimes uh, with my slow response to the, to the camp rising these next couple of years. Marquise Morris is going to be on a phenomenal contract. I believe he has three seasons left on it after this year at $8 million a season. The salary cap is going to grow extraordinarily a lot, or by an extraordinary amount, I should say, 
excuse me, over these next two seasons. So Marquise Morris is going to be on a phenomenal deal. So if the Suns were willing to give that up for Jeff Green, I think that's a, a move that you have to make because of the fact he can do some of the things that Jeff can do even better. He's a better three-point shooter. I, I, and again, as a Jeff Green supporter, it's hard to argue at this point that Morris isn't a better player. However, Morris obviously has been an issue in Phoenix in their locker room. People like to talk about the veteran strength of the locker room of the Grizzlies, but if Jeff Green is an issue in this locker room with all that veteran leadership, who's to say Marquise Morris won't be? And on the flip side, Jeff Green, and I said this on the podcast, and I had a couple people tweet at me and say, wow, you got really fired up. Jeff Green is a part of the problem. He's not the entire problem. You can't look at Marc Gasol, who's shooting 33%, or 33.7% from the field in the month of January and say, oh, yep, Jeff Green, he's the major problem with this team. In my opinion, you can't do that because he is, at best, the fourth best player on this team on any given night. And when your stars are struggling, when Marcus Gasol is struggling as mightily as he is, especially offensively, no wonder you're going to be in the situation you are if you're the Memphis Grizzlies. This is your max player. This is your guy who you are investing in your future in. And he's not performing. Mike Conley's not able to perform right now because he's been injured. Maybe he'll return against, uh, against the Pistons. I haven't seen any updates on that as of getting on the phone with y'all. But, again, your second-best player hasn't been able to play. And when he has, he's been hit or miss all season. So Jeff Green is a convenient guy to point at. I think that at some point, and in fairness to me and uh, others that have said this, you have, there is a connection. There, there has to be some sort of connection between Jeff Green's arrival and the team playing down. But at the same time, to put it all on a guy who is a net neutral at best, net negative at worst basketball player, and your fourth best option, when you've got three guys, give or take a Zach Randolph, Courtney Lee, whoever's playing better on that night, and then, of course, Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley, the underperformance of everybody on that roster is the major problem. So does swapping out Jeff Green for Marcus Morris fix it? I don't think this is a Rudy Gay addition by subtraction situation. I think that this is Memphis struggling across the board because their players are not as good as they were because of aging and because the two guys that you're investing in, theoretically with Conley, have not been able to perform this season. So you can make that trade. I'm all for it. I think Morris is a better player at this point. But it doesn't solve your problem, at least not for this year. I agree that Marc Gasol is a problem, and I agree that he hasn't been coming up to the standards that we've expected these past couple of years. But the argument is there, Joe, that you know when Jeff Green is second on the team in minutes, overall minutes, you know, behind Marc Gasol, and now finally Jaeger makes that decision to yank him in that second half against Houston. That's where people get aggravated and you know ticked off because if, like we all agree, Jeff Green is easily the fourth or fifth option every single possession when he's on the floor. But if he play, if he's got the total second number of minutes on this entire roster right now, that's where people get pissed off because you know he's most likely the problem. But at the same time, Mark Gasol is not is not providing you the all star level best center in the world number. So it's that very iffy question where you decide how does Mark get better? Is he better with Jeff Green off the floor and it's just strictly Mike Conley, Mark Gasol pick and roll, or does Mark need those shooters or does he need that other quote unquote playmaker in Jeff Green? Well, I think when it comes to the Jeff Green minutes, and that's a fair point on your part, but it, it, you can't blame Jeff Green for that. He's not the one picking his minutes. It's Dave Yeager. So if you want to point the finger at somebody, and in, again, in fairness, people are doing this more, it's Dave Yeager. If you want to blame somebody for Jeff Green playing the second most minutes on the team, it's Dave Yeager. That's not Jeff Green's fault. It's not Jeff Green's fault that Dave Yeager has put this investment in him. 
he is, and I, and I invested my energy and my care on a much smaller scale as well. You know, blame you can't blame the player for being what he's always been. And if you're trying to raise him up to something else, then that's on you. That's on me as a blogger and podcaster for and a fan of the team for having the same viewpoint that the head coach did, thinking that he could be something more than he is. And that's what Dave Yeager has to come to terms with. And I think that may have happened in that Houston game. Thursday's game, tonight's game against Detroit, will be killing in that way, and the game's moving forward, how Jeff Green is utilized from here on in. Uh, but again, you're paying Marcus all max money. Would we be asking the same thing if we were talking about Boogie Cousins, who's not being paid nearly as much as Marcus Hall? Uh, would we have the same conversation about other max contract players like a James Harden? Oh, James Harden plays better with who's the fourth better, fourth best player on Houston? Terrence Jones. Yeah, you know what Trevor I mean? Reason, yeah. Would we be having this conversation about these superstars who are paid similarly or viewed upon the same as Marcus Hall? We're going to be having these same conversations about the fourth or fifth best player on the team having that much of an impact on your stock. So that's my ultimate point, is Marcus All needs to, and if he's capable, which I think he is because he showed he was last season, he has to be the man, and he has to take ownership, and he cannot, and I'm not saying he is doing this, but he, if it is the occurrence that Jeff Green is bothering him so much, he has got to get over that and realize that Jeff Green is not who this team is being built around. This is not going to be the Jeff Green show moving forward, whether it's trade in the next few weeks or whether it's free agency. Jeff Green is gone. Marcus Sala is going to be here in the next four or five years. This is his show. He needs to take ownership of that. Unfortunately, we're running out of time since Joe has to leave, but we'll ask you the last question here, Joe, about this whole that stuff that's happened with Jeff Green and this team going forward. So obviously I mentioned the marquee proposal. We've heard the Kevin Martin name out there a lot, talking about Kevin Martin for Courtney Lee straight up, and obviously we said no to that because we agree that Courtney Lee is a better asset for this team right now than Jeff Green is. So obviously you would want to trade Jeff Green. But I haven't heard anything about this, Joe, so I wanted to get your thoughts about it. What would you think of a Washington Wizards team right now who's under a lot of scrutiny, who a team that was pretty darn good last year with Paul Pierce and then obviously lost him and they're trying to build their way up with injury. Bradley Beal finally came back last night. But somebody like a Jared Dudley for Jeff Green straight up, where you know Dudley would go to the bench and be your three-point specialist, quote-unquote, and then you can start the Courtney Lee, Tony Allen, Matt Barnes with the big two. And then obviously Dudley's basically your three-point guy off that bench. What would you think about that? I would be fine with that. I don't know if that'll work in the salary cap trade machine, all of those jets. I'm pretty sure Dudley only makes four or five million, and Jeff makes that nine point some nine point six, nine point seven. But if you could make it work, maybe throw in another contract here and there to make it work. I would be all for that. I think that it's not addition by subtraction, but I do think if you replace Jeff Green with a player like a Jared Dudley, who is used to a reduced role, who is a guy who can come in, defend multiple positions, shoot the three. I do think that would be a solid adjustment and a solid addition to your team. And listen, the word is going to get out on Jeff Green at some point, and this might be Memphis where it's finally shown, you know what, Jeff Green is an average basketball player at best. He's not this guy who's going to come in and save your franchise. And I'm not sure if you have one more deal in you to get an asset or to get a first-round pick like Boston did to us to try to move Jeff Green along. But if you are able to execute something where you bring in a player who's competent, who can defend and shoot the ball, and who will fit into the presence of the locker room in that effort, and that's still there with this team. The physicality may be waning a little bit. The actual ability might be going away day by day. But the effort and the mentality when the guys like Zach Randolph and Tony Allen are allowed to be those prevalent figures, that's still there. You can see that in the Boston game. That's a great example. But 
if you're going to acquire somebody in a trade, it has to be someone who fits that mentality. Because if you truly believe that Jeff Green doesn't fit, trading him for somebody like a Marquise Morris, in my opinion, who, again, I would do the deal. And I would be a lot less comfortable with Morris fitting into that mentality than perhaps a Jared Dudley or a P.J. Tucker, even from the same Phoenix Suns team. I loved P.J. Tucker when he was a free agent. I had hoped he would come to Memphis. That would be another name that I would be really interested in bringing in. So you can make adjustments, you can make moves to make the team slightly better, but I don't necessarily see, unless the front office somehow hit the home run, I don't see any particular deal for Jeff Green making this team that much better because, again, it goes back to Marc Gasol and Mike Conley. Absolutely. Those two guys perform, Memphis is one of the better teams in the league. I Those absolutely. two guys don't, they're mediocre, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, I definitely agree, Joe. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time, and you have to go back to class. So, unfortunately, we'll hopefully have you on at some other time in the near future. But, Joe, thank you so much for your inside stuff. Make sure you go check him out at the Grizzly Bear Blues. Obviously, get that replay of last night's great podcast. Joe, thank you so much. Well, thank you, guys. I enjoy your guys' work over at Blue World Order. I appreciate the time here. I appreciate the opportunity to come on. Anytime you want me to come on, just let me know. Happy to do it. Thank you so much, Joe. All right, All right thanks, thank Joe. Thank you. Have a good one. So, Jordan... If I'm going to call you out here on this beautiful podcast, you were shaking your head when we were talking about the Jared Dudley and you gave me a little smirk on your face. What was that all about there? I don't see why Washington would do that trade. But, why would they want a Jeff Green? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but like, since they lost so much in Paul Pierce, right? we didn't realize how much they missed in Paul Pierce. You know, right. I, I didn't think he would be that big of a deal because you thought Otto Porter could be that solution. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it hasn't worked this far, right? And Otto Porter is still a young talent who has probably has a good potential, right? But... For one-year rental, I don't think Washington would re-sign Jeff Green, don't All get right. me wrong. But just for that one, for the remainder of the season where you're trying to get into that top seven, maybe top six in the Eastern Conference for Washington, I could see them maybe needing that little spark. So you think Jeff Green can bring more positive assets than negative? I think Jeff Green brings a player who wants a ball in his hands, who is going to take away the show from John Wall, and it's going to take away shots from him and Bradley Beal. That's why you'd put him in the second unit. Okay. You, he wouldn't start. You'd still start Otto Porter, right? And then let then you'd let Jeff Green be the you know big you know be the point forward kind of mm-hmm. type. That's what I would do. I wouldn't. He wouldn't start. No no question about that. So we'll we'll talk about more about this Jeff Green now. Join with me and you here in our final thoughts segment with JT. So we know we benched him, and we 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 don't know what will happen tonight against Detroit. Time will tell what Jaeger will do. And we we both agree Jaeger's a great guy, great person. But when it comes to being the, the the mean guy, you know, for lack of a better term, right. I, I still think Jeff starts tonight against Detroit unless he sends a statement, which would be pretty amazing to see because he's never done that yet right. this, this season. So if he sends a statement and moves Jeff Green to the bench tonight, I think I think that shows a lot about Jaeger as a head coach. Yeah, I think definitely it's been a long time coming for yeah. that benching process. I think a lot of people have been chanting for uh, Jeff Green's head. And like, uh, like Joe mentioned, it's not all on Jeff Green. Yeah, it's definitely not. He's not in control of how Mark has been playing or Mike or anybody else you want to point in on their team. But I also think that Jeff Green hasn't been on a short enough leash. Yeah. I think going forward he should definitely, like if you see him make a mistake, you see him not giving as much effort like we've been saying, pull him out. Just pull him out. Bench him again. It's like we don't, you don't have to keep stinking with the same thing if it's not working. Because when you see a guy like Tony Allen who gives it to you every single night, every single night, like tonight against Detroit, is most likely going to be on Reggie Jackson a lot, right? Because right. that's their go-to guy, and we don't at know the guard him. spot. At yeah. the guard, exactly at the guard spot. So that most likely you're going to see him on tonight, and then the next game, Carmelo Anthony will be guarding him, right? Yep. Like, and then when you look at a, your other wing guy on the opposite side of the court, Jeff Green, just standing there or not engaged like mm-hmm. he is, that must tick you the heck off. Yes. 
because it would tick me off. <laughs> so I agree. So tonight will be very deciding and telling from Dave Yeager if he decides to go. Obviously, this all depends if Conley comes back. We have no word about that yet. Right. But if Conley comes back, if he decides to go with Conley, Lee, Allen, Barnes, and Gasol, to me, the reason he went small all along was to fix the defense with Zach Randolph. Like mm-hmm. you, you brought up the point to Joe about switching and putting Zebo back in there. Yeah. If he starts back with Zebo, the defense isn't going to get any better, right? He might be more engaged now that he's realized he got mm-hmm. benched, but still against those stretch fours, like against New York on Saturday night. Yes, if he was started, he would guard Porzingis, and Porzingis is looking like a hell of a. Yeah, Zingas going to take you all the way yeah. out the damn near half court and try to shoot that thing. And then against New Orleans Monday night, Ryan Anderson or Anthony Davis. Tough, tough matchup. Yeah. But when you go to the bench, right, like against Detroit, Aaron Baines, Joel Anthony, Zebo, against New York Knicks, what, Kylo Quinn, Lou Amundsen, Derek Williams, Zach Randolph, and then against New Orleans, Alex Agencia and Omir Ashik, Zach Randolph. So I think I like him at the sixth man. I like mm-hmm. him at the sixth man because, you know, when it comes down to the game, he's not wasting all those minutes in the beginning of the game and getting tired, right? Mm-hmm. Where Because, you know, when he's on the floor, you have to give him the ball. If you don't give him the ball, then why is he on the floor? All right. So, But I'm saying when he gets engaged in that second unit and then come the fourth quarter, he's playing with the first unit and he's already ready to go. So I like that with him, with Zach. But I think also whether you start him or whether you leave him on the bench, it seems like a lose-lose situation. Because like you said, if you start them, they get a lot, they, they're losing on defense. Like, they can't keep up with anybody. If you start Jeff Green, you lose no effort. He's not giving you the effort out there. That's why I said start Lee, Barnes, and Allen right. alongside Conley and Gasol. I, I, I'm all in favor for benching Jeff yeah. Green. Don't get me wrong with that. But like we all mentioned and with Joe mentioned, it still comes down to Mark Gasol. Mm-hmm. Okay? You gave him the max money deal. You gave him money to say, I'm the best center in the world. Go show me the best center in the world. And when you look up, like, at Boogie Cousins or people of that nature or Andre Drummond tonight – those guys want the ball, and those guys demand the ball, and they're going to say, when the time comes to it and we need a bucket, I'm going to go get my team mm-hmm. a bucket. And Gasol sometimes gets you the bucket or sometimes he's unselfish and passes it outside. So it's still on Mark Gasol's shoulders. We can talk about Jeff Green. We can get pissed off about Jeff Green. We can mm-hmm. say, Jeff Green, get the heck out of the 901. But until Mark Gasol proves and shows to us why he's the best center, this team's still going to be, what, two to three games above 500, mm-hmm. win three in a row against mediocre teams, and then when we play a team, like, there's not another good team on this schedule for the rest of January, if we're going to be honest. Maybe Orlando, they're playing pretty good basketball. But come February when you're playing Dallas, you're playing Toronto, you're playing teams of that nature, that's when he has to show it. Yeah. And going back to that trade, like you mentioned, with uh, Marquise Morris. So, yeah, give me your thoughts about that. I didn't get a chance to yeah. talk to you about that. I think for the short term, yes – for the short term, he'll... Because he'll, you know he's on a two-year contract, right? right. It's the two years with a player option, so you know you have him most likely for three right. years. But is it really going to elevate you to where we want to be at? I mean, no. It's just all it's going to do is get rid of the headache of Jeff Green. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to add anything. Is he Is he really going to be part of the long-term solution? Well, he might have to be if he would be under contract, right? Because yeah. if you got him, you knew you have him for three years. And like, like I told Joe, Joe said he's a better shooter than Jeff Green, which he I'd is. probably agree with that. He's probably a better slasher than Jeff Green. I'd probably agree with that. But he's bringing in so much baggage, right? right, with all this Phoenix stuff drama that's gone down this season, throwing a towel at his head coach, Jeff yeah. Hornacek, and all this kind of stuff. So, But there's something about this team and this organization where you can bring in a guy who maybe not be loved in o- other organizations mm-hmm. or a guy who might not give it to you every night in other organizations and then come here where a stable group is, the core four, right? That's as stable as it's been in any organization for a mm-hmm. long time. And when you get that winning mentality like this team has and has shown for five mm-hmm. years, I think it carries effect, right? Miami was trying everything in their world to get rid of Mario Chalmers, and they did. Yep. They got rid of him. And Mario's been 
pretty good, right? I think he, I say he's been better than Benno, and I think he's been better than what we've expected here in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised that Memphis re-signs him this offseason to be the backup point guard. Yeah. Like, everybody was calling him, you know, an asshole. People saying he wasn't nice <laughs> and stuff in Miami and all this kind of stuff. So I just think, I know time will tell because Markeith is still young and he's not like yeah. Mario Chalmers. He's not a two-time champion. He hasn't, he hasn't been to the highest level like Mario has. But... A Markeith Morris who would be around to Zach Randolph and Tony Allen every single day, two guys that won't take anything from anybody, mm-hmm. I think that would help Markeith. Well, I think Markeith also with that baggage, I don't think it's all on him. I think, no, he, was, I I think he was in the organization that felt like yeah. stabbing him in the back, especially yeah. trading away his brother. And from what we hear like with other players, Phoenix isn't the most upstanding organization anyway, especially the way Goran Dragic tried to yeah. force his way out of there. And he got the hell out of right, there. Right, he got the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Took himself to Miami. So with him coming in, like you said, I think it'd be a totally different situation. It'd be a fresh start for him. Yeah, fresh start maybe for Jeff Green. Jeff Green might start playing better, mm-hmm. but all we're really worried about is getting him out of here. <laughs> so as long as we can get Marquise Morris, I think he has pluses where where Jeff Green gives us negatives. So I think it'd be good. So now with the six game home strand, right? Obviously two and one so far. Detroit comes to town tonight, then obviously the Knicks on Saturday, and then you finish off the Martin Luther King Day in the early two thirty game against New Orleans on ESPN. So tonight against Detroit, you know it's pick-and-roll basketball with Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond, and, and then it's either Reggie's going to shoot or he's going to give it to Andre. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your shooters in Marcus and, and um, Caldwell-Pope and then Ersan Ilyasova to spread the floor. That's what Detroit basketball is. Mm-hmm. So tonight is the matchup that you've wanted to see for a long time, in my opinion. I love this matchup, Drummond versus Gasol. A Drummond, a guy who's a great rebounder, a guy who's very explosive, can't hit an outside shot. And then when you look at Mark, he can hit the outside shot, mm-hmm. but doesn't have the explosion like Andre Drummond right. is tonight. So tonight's going to be something special, I think, between these two. Mark's going to have to be aggressive, man. He's yeah. going to have to take it to him. He's going to have to box him out, get on those boards, because that's where Drummond is making his bread. He's getting down there, getting those offensive rebounds, putbacks, like you said, off the pick and roll, just getting those easy buckets. Mark's going to have to force him out of that paint. So what do you what do you like from Reggie Jackson? Because, like, you know, it was no. It was obviously clear last trade deadline. He wanted to get the heck out of Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. He knew that he wasn't going to be the point guard of the future in Oklahoma City because obviously Russell Westbrook. So, what have you seen from Reggie Jackson? Do you like him as a point guard this season? He's putting up some great numbers, but is he that guy that can be the starting point guard for a core team that wants to get to the playoffs for say the next five years? I think definitely. I like that duo of Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. But what I'm really interested to see is when Brandon Jennings gets his legs back on there. Like, what are they going to do with him? Is he going to is he gonna be okay being that backup point guard? Yeah. Because I like Reggie at the starting point guard. Reggie can start on any team in the NBA. I believe so. And then when you're playing behind Russell Westbrook, I think that really helped him because going yeah. against Russell Westbrook every in practice, practice, every yeah. day in practice, nobody, not a lot of guys in the league more competitive than Russell Westbrook. So that, he definitely came out and showed how that helped him. Yeah, because if I'm Detroit, we're right. If you're a Detroit fan, you're right there in the playoff line, mm-hmm. right? You know you don't want to be one or two seed because it would be Cleveland and Chicago most likely, right? Maybe Miami if he gets if they get their act together. But if you can get a healthy Brandon Jennings, get his confidence back up, I would trade him for a valuable asset because I still mm-hmm. think Brandon Jennings he might not be a starting point guard in the NBA, but a team like a Brooklyn Nets who have Thaddeus Young available most likely. Because, you know, Brooklyn, what the hell are they? You know, a team that has no draft picks for three years and, a, and their best player is a guy who has a broken foot, it seems like, every year in Brook Lopez. They sure. need assets, right? Yeah. And Fadius Young's probably their best young asset on that team. Yeah. So if you say, if you're, like a, if you're like a Brooklyn team who has no point guard now since Jared Jack tore his ACL, done for the season, mm-hmm. you do Fadius Young for Brandon Jennings and probably get Detroit's first-round pick to Brooklyn, so Brooklyn needs the first-round pick desperately, mm-hmm. right? And that helps, that helps 
both teams right away. You get your first round pick in Brooklyn, and then you get Thaddeus Young, who's who's not taking the paint away from Andre Drummond because mm-hmm. he likes to stretch the floor and shoot those threes. So if I'm Detroit, I would make that call. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think that definitely helps out both teams, and they can definitely get some benefit from it. And then Saturday against the New York Knicks, most likely Carmelo returns. He didn't play last night, but all indications say he will play Saturday against the Memphis Grizzlies. What are you looking forward to seeing from Christophe Porzingis? Nobody thought, Jordan, he would be this good. He is looking unbelievably good. Man, those fans in New York, <laughs> what are they, they thinking they, right they now? Words, yeah, right? <laughs> they're eating their words, right? They're eating their words, right? Man, Porzingis. I like Porzingis. Can we call him Porzingis? Uh, do you, Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, man. He's been looking good. But I think that Knicks team, they're, they're good. You like them? They're a good team, man. I think I think they could actually get that eight seed. If, they, if everybody stays healthy, Melo has been I've – heard, I've heard a saying, Dad Melo. You heard that? Mm. Dad Melo. Definitely been teaching those young guys. He's been actually doing more than scoring now. I've been yeah, trying to get his assist. Really well. Yes, been passing, been getting in there, getting rebounds, playing defense. Yes, Melo yeah. has Melo has spread his game out. And he's trusting Porzingis too. I mm-hmm. think that was a concern for all New York Knicks fans this offseason before the season started. Would he trust Porzingis? Mm-hmm. Which every New York fan in the NBA draft night booed his ass off when did he not. got drafted. <laughs> yes, so. they did not trust Porzingis. So I, it's gonna be interesting. I so here's a question. Obviously, best team who has the best chance going forward this season? Pistons or Knicks? Because I think they're both right there. I think they can both make the playoffs. But which team has would have more success in the playoffs? Hmm. Ooh, that's hard to one. say because because I think if they I think if either one of them gets in, they're going to be eight. You think you they, don't think either one can get higher? Because Milwaukee's looked very disappointing. Yeah, Milwaukee's been disappointing. Washington, Charlotte's falling apart. Charlotte's too. falling apart. They could. Yeah. But if they but if. I don't think they're going to get higher than six, though. I would agree. I'd yeah, agree. I don't think they're going to ha- get higher than six. So they're either going to be playing Cleveland, Miami, and who's second? Chicago, probably. And Chicago. Chicago, yeah. I don't think they're beating either one of those teams. <laughs> I'd agree, unfortunately. So then finally to the Monday game, the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that's in complete disaster. So many injuries yes. on that team. Anthony Davis hasn't been healthy all season. Finally getting a healthy Drew Holiday back, but slowly but surely. And Tyreek Evans has been coming back slowly but surely also. So I think, Jordan, for the best for the New Orleans Pelicans, you know you've got Anthony Davis for the next five years. He's already locked up the long-term mm-hmm. deal. I think finish as low as possible and try to get a high pick. Somebody like a Chris Dunn in the Providence who's put up some great numbers to be mm-hmm. your point guard of the future. Or if you can really fall apart, Ben Simmons and Anthony Davis for the next Ooh, 10 years. I don't think they're going that low. I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they're going saying. every game. Yeah. <laughs> they go for Ben Simmons. But I think – I think that's the only way they're going to be successful yeah. now. They need to get a they need to get a high lottery pick to go alongside Anthony Davis because I think this year it's it's just falling apart too much, too many injuries. So you don't think that I like their guards though, Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon, Tyreek Evans. The problem is just the health. But so. they all want the ball in their hands to be successful, right? You can't play yeah. Drew Holiday and Tyreek together because they both need the balls in their hands, right. and neither one of them's a good spot up three point shooter if they're not with the ball, right? And then Eric Gordon's is a free agent this summer. All indications say he would leave. There's no reason for him to stay in New mm-hmm. Orleans. So I think he's lo- I think he's gone. So, yeah, Drew Holiday and Tyreek are both locked up for the next two to three years, I think. So mm-hmm. I think they need to trade one of them. And I don't think one of them's happy coming off the bench to be the backup point guard either. Mm-hmm. So if you think they do get a guard from the draft, do you think he comes in and they try to make him the future guard? I think he'd be the backup to start with. I think you – so here's, here's – before we answer that, would you rather want Tyreek or Drew Holiday to be your point guard of the future? Tyreek. Tyreek? Okay. Come on, Tyreek. Okay, so I think he's under contract for two more years. Yeah. So you bet Tyreek to be your point guard, then you trade away Drew Holiday for an asset, mm-hmm. and then you draft, say, Chris Dunn at Providence or somebody yeah. like that. 
or or Murray at Kentucky. So I think that's what I would do. You get Tyreek for two more years and see what happens with Tyreek, and then if he plays good for two years, mm-hmm. then you've got a valuable top five pick asset again that you can trade away to get some mm-hmm. good talent alongside Anthony Davis. So that's what I'd probably do. Because I think the only the biggest difference is between Tyreek and Drew. It's just Drew has a better three, I, I you guess. Think, yeah. yeah, I think he shoots the three better. But as far as like ball handling, assisting, playmaking, hell, even defense. Yeah. I mean, I don't think either one of them are that good at yeah, defense. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think everything else is pretty level aside from that three ball. So, but if you bring in Murray, I don't think Murray is going to be that two guard. Yeah, probably. Two he guard, wants yeah. to be a more shooter than yes. a point guard. But Chris yeah. Dunn would be straight up point guard. So yeah, I would, I would probably good. I'd probably pick Chris Dunn at Providence mm-hmm. to be honest. So Jordan, three games left on this homestand, two and one. What are our thoughts? Tonight against Detroit, obviously a team that's coming in with a lot of confidence, a team that's not going to back down in from anybody. Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond, two great players, and Stan Van Gundy will get you pumped up for any game. So your thoughts tonight against Detroit, did the Grizzlies pull off that victory? Whew. That's tough to say, man. That's tough to say. I think at home, I, I think they get it. I think they get it. And you need to go on record. Does Jeff Green get benched tonight again, or does he start again? I think he starts. I think Jaeger's too nice. I think he deserves to get benched, but I think he starts. I'd agree. I think he starts, <laughs> yeah. too. Then the Knicks? Knicks. If Melo's back, I get at a loss. If Melo's back, I get at a loss. And then New Orleans? Let me get a win. So okay. I, th- I think they go 2-1. and 2-1, one. and one, so that'd be, what, 4-2 and two on the six-game homestand, which mm-hmm. is, you know, nice. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they win all three. Okay. I think Detroit tonight... Because Jaeger's not going to do this, but if the game's close down the stretch, you should just hack Drummond. You should just oh hack him. God. He won't do it, but, th- but that's successful, right? We're going to be at that game. Do you really want to see that? No. <laughs> no. But <laughs> any way possible to get a win, right? I'd do anything. Anything to get Think a win. Think about the fans, man. True. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Knicks, you know it's the Porzingis slash Mellow stars that's going to yeah. be coming at you, right? So that'd be a heck of a – I'd love to see Barnes versus Porzingis and obviously mm-hmm. first game with Matt Barnes and Derek Fisher, remember? First oh, time yeah. They, first time they've met since all that stuff that went down. So that might be interesting. Pre-game. Yeah, Matt Barnes is going to break out the game, go over and <laughs> knock the mess out of Derek Fisher. <laughs> that'd be so funny to watch. He said, throw me out anyway. I don't care. <laughs> and then New Orleans, it's basically Anthony Davis. That's all you have to stop, right? Yeah. You should be able to take care of that business. So – Great drama that could be happening down at the FedEx Forum this weekend. Obviously, the Porzingis coming into the first time, seeing mm-hmm. him live will be a treat. And then, obviously, Derek Fisher, Matt Barnes. Yeah. We completely forgot about that, so that would be very interesting to see. But it all starts tonight down at the FedEx Forum, 7 o'clock, Fox Sports Southeast. Thank you so much to Joe Mullinax for joining us here on the Ryan Gilder Podcast with guests. Joe and Taylor with great perspective and thoughts throughout every podcast, and he'll be joining me alongside this lovely ride that we are on. So thank you so much for tuning in. This is obviously presented by the blueworldorder.com website. Make sure you check out the great stuff over there. Until next time, we're signing off.